fightthethingmedia.com. The network, oh, without constraints. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Long Term Memory. My name is Jack. And uh, my name's Colin, but after 25-odd episodes or so, I'm sure you know our names by now, but no doubt we'll continue to tell them each week. Jack, how's you? Yeah, I am good, man. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad. Uh, looking forward to this week's show. It's, it's it's a good one. You'll be hearing it in the next couple of minutes, but we thought we would just tack some of our usual sort of housekeeping and uh, calls to action onto the start of the podcast because jack you know you know better than md we see the mi we see the analytics people switch off at the end and don't listen to us doing this and it is pretty important isn't it yeah it's pretty important i do look and people listen to about 90 percent of the podcast and then just turn it off at the end and that is totally understandable we all do the same thing so we're just sort of sticking it in here at the beginning the usual guff about leaving reviews five-star ratings, all that sort of stuff really does help us get discovered, basically head up the charts where people will be scrolling down and they might take, oh, I've not seen that before, and give us a little click, and it makes a massive difference to our listening figures and our enjoyment because we are comment whores, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it does make a difference, especially in that iTunes algorithm anyway. We've had 118 reviews or so last time I checked, and that means we do feature on the front page of iTunes fairly regularly, and that does bring eyes to the pod and lets the audience grow and lets our voices go out to more people, which is, is what we want. So you can play your part in helping us with that by, like Jack says, leaving a review. Um, leaving a comment on the review is even better and also just telling your friends about the podcast um, it's free to listen to obviously um, they can get involved, uh, just search for Wrong Term Memory on their podcast and it will pop up Yeah we do this we do this for fun basically and we have never made a penny from this and this is going to sound a little bit oh, woe us, but it's actually costing us money to make the pods with editing and having to buy new equipment and stuff like that, so what we're doing is we're asking you to go on to wrongtermmemory.com and if you scroll down to the bottom, there's going to be a couple of buttons in the website footer, basically, Colin, so there is. Yeah, there is. Um, listen, um, you've got the option to leave a donation if you enjoy what you're listening to, um, if you've enjoyed the content and hopefully going to enjoy future content and you want to support the pod. One of the ways you can do that is by going to the website and looking at those two donate buttons. There's one for PayPal and there's one for buymeacoffee.com or you can just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash wrong term memory and give us a pound, give us two pounds, just be the equivalent of buying us a beer or buying us a coffee. Um, we both got full-term jobs. This this isn't what this is all about, but we would like to try and get some new equipment, some new microphones, um, some new stuff software-wise, just to improve some of the editing and the sound and hopefully do more effects and more stuff like that. Um, we've got stuff we want to do to try and make it sound better and improve it. Unfortunately, these things are expensive and we've got other bills to pay, so... We don't expect anything whatsoever. However, if you do want to donate, the option's there for you, but no pressure whatsoever. The pods will continue regardless. Yeah, if you can spare a, a couple of quid, it would mean a hell of a lot. And now that people have been turning off at the end of podcasts, they're now just clicking the skip 30 seconds button until they hear the tune. Welcome back to part five and joining me as always, when I say as always, the past uh, couple of days, as Colin and Alex again, man, how are you? Good? All righty. 
Yeah, good gentleman, good. Right, let's not beat about the bush and just dive straight in, Colin. Proof by assertion, basically. Yeah, yeah, proof by assertion is our next fallacy, which is a proposition which is repeatedly restated regardless of contradiction. This is sometimes confused with an argument from repetition, um, basically argumentum ad infinitum, argumentation ad nauseum. Um, This fallacy is often used as a form of rhetoric by politicians in its extreme form. It can also be a form of brainwashing, and this practice can be observed in the use of political slogans. Um, we've all seen, like we spoke a little bit in the last episode about COVID, how many times has the government COVID slogan changed in the last year? Um, those, what was it? What was it? First of all, it was wash, wash your hands, something else, something else. That's, that's how effective it is. I've forgotten it, <laughs> but they keep making subtle changes to it as the year goes along, and I suppose it loses its, its impact a little bit because I've I've forgotten it already. So there you go. Yeah, yeah so it uh, does seem here that this is a confused with a argument from repetition. See, that's what I thought this was. Is there a, just a subtle difference here, Alex? Truth by assertion and just constantly saying we can do it, we can do it. Yes, we can, basically. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um, the argument from, from repetition is a bit, a bit more eh, solid than that, I'm sure. It's, it's like a I'm trying to think how, how best to kind of break these two down because I can see why they would get confused but that's mm-hmm. kind of yeah, a proof by assertion um, even though there's contradictory evidence out there you're just consistently going back to this um, this point this, uh, this as, as proof that it, that it must be true you know um, whereas yeah, the repetition is just make yeah. America great again make America great again just repeat that whereas <laughs> Proof by assertion would be, um, I didn't like this macaroni. I'm going back to macaroni again, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, I'll get back to macaroni. Square <laughs> a macaroni, yeah. child. Um, I enjoyed this macaroni because I made it, but there was a bit of dog shit in it. But, <laughs> but I made it, so, and I enjoyed it, but there was dog shit in it. And then, so there, there is a slight difference there. I can see that. Yeah, yeah there, is, there is a slight difference. It's not... Um, it's it's more you know it's not it's not a huge difference but I can see why they get confused yeah um, it's it's uh, very much you know that kind of constant repeated restated sort of thing it's it's very much what what politicians do isn't it um, just use that that same line all the time even though the line's been consistently shown to have you know contradictions out there and we got quite a bit of this in the referendum debate up in Scotland. Um, you know, there was a lot said, consistently said, that even with constant arguments against it, those would just be ignored and the, arg- the proposition would be repeated again and again and again. Um, and it's, you know, using that as proof, using that as your basis for this being true is, is the issue, um, rather than it being, uh, you know, necessarily a a structural thing like some of the formal fallacies we spoke about much earlier. Yeah, proven too much as well, Colin. This one is, again, this is an overgeneralisation, basically. So basically saying, look, drinking alcohol is bad because in some instances you go home and you beat up your wife or whatever, or at least the child abuse. So again, just an argument that results in this sort of over generalization for something very f- specific to start with, I think. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's one that you do get a lot of. You, it's it's dead easy to pick on something like alcohol and blame it for every crime in in the country. However, if it really was the case, would alcohol still be available to buy? Of course it would, because it's one of the most taxed things in the country as well. But um, it is a it is probably one that you hear a hell of a lot, and alcohol is usually the the prime example of it. Alex, isn't it? Well, there's loads of stuff. Yeah, I think the part of the issue with this one is the name of it. Proving too much, you hear that and you think that um, it, it almost sounds like something like, uh, you know, that, that when you've proved when you've proven something, it must be true. You know, that's not quite what this is saying here. Proving too much, it's it's it's, uh, it's a form of argument where you're trying to to use, um, as you said, a very specific. It's I, almost like, if yeah. I get this confused, it's almost like going backwards, this one. So when um, you start that, like, a lot yeah. of a lot of wives that get beaten are by drunk men. Boop, 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 go backwards. Therefore, alcohol is the the main factor in it. So am I getting a bit confused here? We spoke about in an earlier pod um, the recent issues that have, have come up, or the recent debates that have come up. Uh, because of the, what happened with Sarah Everard, and you heard the, the argument from one, and it was very tongue-in-cheek, um, to be fair, but the, the, I can't remember the name of the politician, I think she was in the Green Party, who you know made the kind of very tongue-in-cheek, jokey proposition that all men should be uh, you know, kind of given a 6pm curfew. Wasn't it 6pm, 8pm, something like that? Mm. Um, can't quite remember, but it was, it was said in jest, but... Yeah, much like we've spoken about earlier, she was quoted ever so slightly out of context, led to a whole load of uh, reactions to that. Um, but you know that that in itself, that little example there, which you know this, um, men can't be allowed out late because it, in some instances it has led to women being killed. You know that's very much the same thing here, um, and it's it's being yeah trying to. It's, it's got various fallacies going on with it, you know, we were talking earlier about trying to uh, make some, uh, make a whole group become one thing because of a small part of that group being like that um, that's kind of where this comes, but the name of it proving too much, it sounds mm-hmm. like, it makes it sound like it's just like, you know, you've already convinced a judge um, with two or three points, but you end up making six or seven. That's almost where that sounds like, but it's not. You know, it's just one of this is one of these instances, and there's others, there's other names, um, of things where you're like, ah, nah, that doesn't quite seem to make sense. The name of it, uh, it's not until you look into it that you can understand it. Yeah, the next one column we've kind of covered almost, but we'll take a wee look at this one slightly so, different, maybe. Yeah, so retrospective determinism. Um, believing that because an event has occurred under some circumstance, that circumstance must have made that event inevitable. Um, so because someone won the lottery while wearing their lucky socks, wearing those socks made winning the lottery inevitable. Um, this goes back to the, the sort of football stuff we spoke about earlier, doesn't it? That I took my, my lucky scarf to the game and we won, so I need to keep taking that scarf to the game because if I don't take my scarf, we won't win the, we won't win the match or... I think everybody that goes to football has their own little superstitions and stuff that they do. And let's be honest, it means absolutely hee-haw, doesn't it? Yeah, see, where you, you've kind of, um, what you've done perfectly there, Colin, is it's sort of, we spoke about the, the probability in the very first point. Um
Hello friends, Colin here. The looks, the charm and the brains behind Drunk Term Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers eh, by a pound on each of them just because we appreciate life is a little bit shit just now and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrong term memory and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad free and lots of bonus content. And how, you know, that, you know, just um, part of what you said there, if I don't take my scarf, we will lose, is is that kind of appeal to probability. Whereas the retrospective determinism comes afterwards usually, doesn't it? Oh, I took my scarf and we won. We must have, you know, we won because I took my scarf. Um, you know, as, as, as I said, retrospective determinism, whereas the, the appeal to probability is saying something beforehand. If I don't take this scarf, yeah, we're going to lose. So you kind of, you know, you 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 kind of very well showed the difference between the two there. Um, it's and this one, it's about you know, kind of afterwards saying, oh well, that was obviously going to happen because I was wearing this or I'd taken that with me or whatever it might be. There's also like the case of the sort of retrospective determinism, where you learn something new after an event has happened. And then you look back on it and think you would have done something different. So, like, I've got an example written down here. Judas was a dickhead to turn over Jesus to the authorities. He ended up committing suicide. It's easy for us to blame Judas, right? But we now know the full story. Judas didn't. So we are then passing judgment on what he did, whereas he didn't know that. It's not having the full facts, basically, I think, this one as well, where you then, you you almost change, you don't rewrite history, but you you pass judgment on somebody making a, a choice, knowing more facts than they did. Yeah, so, kind of, yeah. What you're saying there is um, that, uh, you know, it would have... By turning in, you know, using the Judas and uh, Jesus example, by turning him in, it was inevitable that he was going to commit suicide out of guilt. Well, firstly, it wasn't. And secondly, he certainly never knew that at the time. You know? Yes, well, that's yeah, right. um, so, so that's where, um, you know, the retrospective determinism, as it's called, would come in. Is that, it's been, um, yeah. We, we, it's been wise after the, like... Yes, a lot of the time, yes, um, it can be. Being wise after the fact is, is it's often like that as well, yeah. Cool, cool. Right, Colin, we will do one more. Um, these come under a slightly different term. This is improper, improper premises. Uh, we'll do one here and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, it'll give us a little bit of a taster for the next episode. So the first one would be the the begging the question fallacy. Um, assuming the conclusion. It occurs when an argument's premises assume the truth of the conclusion instead of supporting it. Basically a form of circular reasoning. So an example of this would be the statement, green is the best colour because it's the greenest of all colours. That's claiming that the colour green is the best because it's the greenest. Um, it's 
it's, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute when you actually look at it and read it. It doesn't make any sense. But you hear people justifying arguments with this all the time, don't you? You'll find it more in the. I find a, probably an easier thing. Um, that, that example I put in there probably isn't the best one. Um, it's like the people that believe in paranormal activity. So they will say, "Oh, paranormal activity is real because I've experienced it." But they are coming from the the standpoint that they believe that paranormal activity is real. Yeah. And then it's supported by their, oh, it's happened to me. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, for parano- for the, the argument paranormal activity is real because I have experienced what can only be described as paranormal activity. For that to be a true statement, paranormal activity has to be real. You have to assume that that's real um, because somebody's experienced it and then you're using essentially a circular argument paranormal activity is real because it's real you know that, that kind of breaks it down um but that's slightly different from circular arguing because as it says begging the question now this is actually one of my favorite uh, fallacies guys because of the name of it because it's been hijacked now you know oh that begs a question is a thing that you hear a lot of people say and then what they mean by that is oh that raises the question and then yeah. they tell you what question they're thinking of. Um, it's been a kind of hijacked phrase now, but in, in the philosophical kind of terms, it's always just meant exactly what you guys are talking about. Just sort of assuming that one thing is true and then using that assumption to prove that it's true. I think from a political sense, again, using Scotland as an example, this has been happening a lot when people will argue that Scottish independence would be a good thing because independence is best you know they haven't really proven that being an independent country is better but they just assume that it is so scotland being independent would automatically be better because independence is somehow better whereas that's a bit that needs to be proven and this this is happening this happens a lot um a lot it's, it's, it's a huge fallacy actually that people make these sort of things all the time they don't really support what they're trying to be, uh, argue for, they just assume that it's true. Um, and then it sort of makes a kind of circular argument. Once you understand this one, you see it loads. Um, and I just, I like it. It's one of my favourites, actually, because it's so uh, it's so prevalent. And the fact that we call it begging the question and people have stolen it. So I get to be all smart about it when people <laughs> say that. <laughs> oh, there's nothing worse than something that starts a sentence with, well, actually, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's not. But yes, I do that now and again. So <laughs> we all do. We all do. In fairness, I'll be honest. In this case, no, I don't anymore. Uh, because like, you've got to be honest. Language is always evolving, and ultimately, that phrase has kind of uh, changed over the years. So that's that. But um, but yeah, it was. Uh, this one that I think when you see it, when you start to, to kind of look for it, and you see it, you see it a lot. We can see why it's closely linked to circular reason, which we will yeah. finish up on then. So that's when the, the person begins with what basically they're, they're trying to end up with. Yeah. And it's very easy to do, to link this to religion, basically. The Bible is the word of God because God tells us it is in the Bible. Is that, it just goes round. Yeah. Round, round in circles. Yeah, you, you don't get anywhere with that, like, at yeah, all. And, yeah. yeah. And circular reasoning probably happens when you see examples like that, you think, oh, that's easy. But the problem becomes when it's, you know, a lot more, more nuanced, maybe. Bigger. Yeah, a lot bigger, basically, a lot more 
and ultimately it can kind of circle back round without you. You'll probably have done it yourself and not realised at times. It can circle back round without ever really getting anywhere. But it can be, you know, we're talking about it being a couple of propositions there. A is true because B is true. B is true because A is true. But it could be A, B, C, D. You know, I mean, it could be various things. And then it ends up just coming back to A anyway. But at no point has it actually proven or, or given you a logical argument for anything. Um, circular reasoning is one that most people will be. I think they'll be familiar with that, to be honest. I don't know if you guys would agree, but they'll have seen plenty of examples of that. And sometimes you do it without realising you've done it um, until afterwards, you know. Yeah, Colin, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is, yeah. It's, it's, it's one you do hear. You don't hear it quite as often as the other one, but it's one that people use as almost an argument ender, don't they? It's just, this is it, and that's the case. And there's no real coming back from it in their eyes. It's a hard one to argue sometimes. Argue against, I should say. As a lot, again, as a, is it more prevalent in faith-based arguments? Alex? I think it like, can be. So, sorry to. Like a, right, on you go, I was going to say, yeah, I think it can be. I think it's in any argument where the person is so steadfast on it, it's kind of an argument I tend to avoid because you've got absolutely no hope in hell of changing that person's opinion or even get into some sort of conversation with them because they're just so stuck to that viewpoint. Um, it's almost lemming-like, I think, in some ways. I think um, where the difference comes here, I would say that um, the faith-based arguments quite often will be more begging the question that we just discussed in circular. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, because there's a just an assumption that, you know, this is true, and then they use that assumption to, to prove the truth of it. Um, whereas circulars may be just a bit more, a wee bit more formal than that, and it's more about you know the structure of the argument, not really getting anywhere, just kind of going back it, back to where it started. Um, begging the questions more about that sort of belief of something, using that belief of it to to prove it in the first place, without actually having given a you know an argument as to why that belief is is, is uh, true. So. Yeah, sorry, I've almost went round in a circle there myself, but um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I would say I would say the faith-based ones maybe beg the question more than than circular, but it, it can happen both ways. They're quite close to each other. Right, we'll wrap it up there, and we'll be back with you in part six, where we will be covering more questions. I think we're going to start with the loaded question um, on our next pod, Alex, but. As always, Colin. Cheers, mate. Enjoy that. Yeah, cheers very much. So, thank you. Cheers, Alex. Thank you. Hey, Alex, we will speak to you in a a couple of days. Right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Really quick call to arms. If you liked it, please let others know. You can do that by leaving a review, leaving a comment, and telling your friends about the podcast. If you really like it, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash wrong term memory. only the best pods in the best network quite the thing media.com <laughs>